anyway. Um, it's great to have our IEP students back, though. I love you guys, and I'm glad you're home. Um, and also, if you're interested in collecting cans, uh, you can stop by my house on Friday mornings, Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, and you can pick some up. You can recycle those. It'd be great. So that'll help me out as well. Um, <laughs> we are, uh, we're continuing a ser- uh, our sermon series called Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 7 today, and we're continuing on in the words of Jesus, what he shared with his followers, with his disciples. Uh, and the portion of scripture we're at today, I, I can get really excited about. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, and this is what it says. This is Jesus preaching again. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And so this kind of harkens back to what Jesus said hypocrites, about people appearing one way but actually being another. And he says specifically here, Beware of false prophets. Now, I'm a pastor, and so I can say this. Not all pastors have your best intention at heart. Um, there are some pastors who do it because they couldn't get another job, if we're going to be quite honest. There's some pastors that do it because uh, if you're pastoring in the right situation, it can be easy sometimes. Um, but not everyone fills a pulpit and pastors a church because they've got their heart, the heart of their congregation in mind. And Jesus calls them out and says, hey, sometimes their motivation is wrong. Sometimes their heart is wrong. Sometimes they look like one thing, but they're really another. So what we talk about with hypocrites is that it's not just for people in the church, that it's not just for religious leaders, but it can be prophets and pastors as well if we're not careful and if we don't guard our heart. But he says, you got to watch out for them because Sometimes they, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but they're really ravenous wolves. He goes on to say, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And the answer is no. We all know that, right? <clears throat> when I was in college down in Texas, I, I lived in this house. And there was, in the backyard, there was this tree. It was a pear tree. And do you want to know how I know it was a pear tree? It had pears. Good job. Somebody's paying attention, Right? It had pears on it. I didn't know anything about fruit trees or I moved into the house and um, I, I smelled something funny and there was all these rotten pears on the ground. And so the next season rolled around, I started picking pears. I realized when you're supposed to eat them because I eat a lot of bad pears. I'd take a bite, oh, no, it's not ready yet. But finally I figured out, okay, the pears are ready and, and I would give them out. I would eat, because it was a pear tree, it was producing fruit, right? And, and I'm not an expert on fruit trees, but I recognized that fruit tree because of the fruit it produced. Because it had pears on it, I knew it was a pear tree. This is what it says in Galatians. Let me skip to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Let me, let me tell you. It says, the work of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And when it says sensuality, it's talking about living according to our senses. It's talking about uh, living for the moment, how we feel, doing what we want to do based on what we feel and not what is right. Verse 20 says, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, this, if, if I can say it like this, is fruit of the flesh. When we live our lives the way we want to live them, when we live it apart from God, what happens is we do what we want to do. And these are some of the things we do. And you go, Mel, that's crazy. I've never done sorcery. Well, that's fine, but maybe you've never done sorcery, but have, have you ever been envious? Have you ever been jealous? Have you ever had fits of anger? Well, sure. 
Everybody in this room has, right? And, and what happens? That is fruit from living according to our flesh, according to how we feel, according to what we think is right. But verse 22 goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. If you're a parent in this room and you've got a daughter and you, your daughter brought home a young man who acted like the fruits of the Spirit here, you'd be pretty happy with that. You might not be happy because your daughter brought home a man, right? Just like me. I told my girls they can't date until they're married, okay? Um, <laughs> they said, how does that work? And I said, well, I pick your husband and then you can date him after you're married. That's perfect to me. But if my daughter's brought home a young man who acted like this, who, who, who bore this kind of fruit in his life, I'd be a happy man. I, I could live with that. But the truth is that fruit is only born in our lives when we're in the spirit, when we live according to God's purposes and plans for our life. The first portion of the scripture tells us what, our, what kind of fruit we bear whenever we're not connected with Christ. <clears throat> See, if I was in college and I had a guest come over to my house, they were walking into the house. I said, hey, did you see my apple tree over here? It's fantastic. That, that, that apple tree? And I go, yeah. Well, what's wrong with the apples? Well, there's nothing wrong with the apples. It's an apple tree. And they go, but they look like pears. And I go, but it's an apple. You don't understand. It's an apple tree. Well, I'm pretty sure. If I've seen a pear before, and these are pears. It's a pear tree. And I said, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't judge my apple tree. My apple tree's been through a lot. And it might not produce apples like you'd like, but it's trying. This apple tree's been betrayed and hurt, so it might not look like apples, but it's apples. Do you know what that person would say? You're crazy. They're pears, right? I know what a pear looks like. I know what apples look like. So no matter what we say, when we see bad fruit on a tree, we don't need anybody to tell us. It's bad fruit. When we see good fruit, we don't need anybody to tell us what kind of fruit it is. So last week we talked about judging. And, and I told you that the scripture condemns us judging out of a sense of pride. When we say, ha ha, they messed up. I'm better than they are. I would never mess up like that. My sin's not nearly as bad as their sin. Right? The Bible condemns that. But when we say, man, my brother's in sin and I, I want to help them. I want to come alongside them. I, I, I want to see them restored. That's a different kind of judging. It's still judging, right? And, and this is what Jesus is identifying here. He says, uh, we're going to judge other people by their works and by their fruit. What is being produced out of their lives? We're going to see it and, and, and we're going to judge it. It goes on to say in, in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 7, this is what Jesus is saying. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Say, everybody say, every. Every. Every healthy tree bears fruit. So if you are connected with Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, there should be evidence of that connection, of that relationship in the fruit of your life. And the reality is we are all bearing fruit. All of us have some sort of fruit that we're bearing in our lives, whether it's good or bad. So the first portion of that scripture says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Have you ever taken a bite of fruit and there was um, like, you realized you took a big bite of the brown part, like the rotten part, and then you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe, you know, 
Or you took a bite, and this is when you're living in the country. You take a bite, and there's a worm in it. You're like, ah, oh, that's not bonus protein, okay? That's not good. <laughs> if I wanted to be on Survivor, I would sign up, right? Like, no thank you. It's no fun. It looks good, but when you take a bite, it's like, this is not healthy. It's not good. It's not valuable. And that's the way a lot of us live our lives, that we're trying to put on an act that our lives are good, that, man, we love Christ. We do good. I go to church twice a month. Once a month, but I watch twice a month online, right? And we will play our part and we will look great, but this is what Jesus cautioned against. He said it's not just about playing a game. It's about the fruit you are producing in your life. It's about the produce of your life. He said every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. It's just as crazy to say that Pear tree is an apple tree, as it is to say, this Christian is living in a crazy, ungodly way. But we do it all the time because we justify it and we go, well, I go to church on Sundays, so I must be fine. I just, I go to church and I'm good, I'm absolved and everything's all right. But then I live my life however I want to live and there's no fruit of my life that's, that's healthy or vibrant or bringing life to others. And it's impossible. And the part that really should be alarming for us is verse 19. It says this. This is Jesus talking again. He says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, this has two meanings. The first meaning is it's talking about hell, if, if I can just say it that bluntly. That when our lives are not connected to Christ and it's not bearing fruit, our destiny at that point is separation from God. It's hell. And I don't take joy in telling you that, but it's true. The other meaning behind that is if, if a tree is not bearing fruit, really all it's good for is the shade and ultimately firewood. It's kindling is all it is. The usefulness of someone who is not bearing fruit in the body of Christ to bring life to others is, is minimal. Now again, I, I'm not saying if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Christ, your value is minimal. What I'm saying is uh, the people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I love God. I, mean, I go to church all the time. But then they live however they want to live. That's, that's, that's hypocrisy. That's a, a dual life. And this is what Jesus is speaking out against. If you're far from God, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, God wants to shift that. He wants to change that. He wants you to begin to bear fruit. He wants you to be connected to his son. Jesus goes on to say in verse 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize followers of Jesus by their fruit, by, by what they produce, by what their lives look like. I'm always alarmed when I meet people who, um, <laughs> who are hard to get along with, who are difficult, who are selfish, who um, have, have anger issues, and then they tell you about how great their church is. Like, well, tell me what church that is, because I don't think I want to go to that church. I don't want to be a part of that kind of church. But when I'm around people who are joyful, who are generous, who are loving and caring and gentle, those are the people I want to be around. Like, tell me more about your church. Tell me more about the God you serve. Those people are producing fruit in their lives. 
John chapter 15. Again, this is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So what Jesus is saying is, um, if, I, if I can say it like this, I am the tree and God is the gardener, okay? He goes on to say, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So every branch that is not bearing fruit, he, he gets rid of it. But listen to this next part. And every branch that does bear fruit, he rewards and gives a lot of money to them. Oh, wait, no. That's not what it says at all. Bad news, folks. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So you thought, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to start doing what I'm supposed to do, and then God's going to bless me. He's going to give me a big raise at work, and I'm going to get the car I've been hoping for, and maybe. But what it says here is when you start bearing fruit, God sees that and says, now it's time for some pruning. And don't we love that? God starts pruning our lives. But you have to understand the purpose behind the pruning because it goes on to say, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. <clears throat> See, God's purposes for your life is not just so you would get into heaven. God's purpose for your life is so he could be glorified through you so that more people can see how good God is and hear about how good God is. And when our lives bear fruit, people see that. I appreciate when you guys clap and amen, but I'm on, a, I'm on a tight time frame, so you can't waste time like that, people. Come on. If you're not familiar with pruning, uh, pruning entails targeted removal of diseased, damaged, dead, non-productive, and structurally unsound or otherwise unwanted tissue from plants. So basically, if you've got a tree that's diseased or damaged, you, you cut out the diseased or damaged part in order to promote health in that body. Does that make sense? Because ultimately, that diseased or damaged or injured part is going to cause problems long term. So what you do is you cut out the damaged part to promote health. And it says reasons to prune plants include deadwood removal, and this is one I love, shaping by controlling or directing growth. And most of us don't like that very much, but sometimes God comes alongside us and he, he prunes us. And what he's doing is he's trying to direct our growth. He's trying to help us grow a certain way so that he could be glorified more in our lives. And it says improving or maintaining health. And again, we don't like that because we think, God, I'm healthy, I'm doing just fine. But God goes, no, 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 there's an area of your life. I need, to, I need to cut this out. I need to prune this off. We don't like that very much, but God's got a big picture in mind. He sees that he wants us to be healthy and fruitful, so what does he do? He, he, he prunes us. And both harvesting and increasing the yield or quality of fruits. Basically what it's saying is we are more fruitful when we are pruned. We are more beneficial to the world when we are pruned. We're, we're healthier for the kingdom when we're pruned, and we don't like that very much. So We just want to be left alone, don't we? I got, I'm going to go to church, but man, don't mess with me too much. I want you to help me when I need it, but just give me some space. And God goes, no, no, no. You're either all in or you're not. I'm either going to get my hands dirty in your life or, or, or not. Because if we're in with God, he wants to prune us. He wants to shape us. He wants to help us become healthy and fruitful. John chapter 15, verse three through six says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. So he's saying, you're already followers of Christ. You're already going to heaven. This is what he says in verse four, abide in me and I in you. So what's he saying? Stay connected with me and I with you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Have you ever trimmed a branch off the tree and left it? 
A week later, maybe a couple days later, it is shriveled. Like the leaves are dying, the, 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 the limb is dying. It's not producing anything else. It is, it is disconnected from the tree and it is dying. And this is what Jesus is saying. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is, listen to this, that bears much fruit. So what's the key to bearing fruit? Staying in Jesus, staying connected with Jesus, abiding in him and his purposes and plans for our lives, finding our joy in him. That's what the key to bearing fruit is. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Again, this is a metaphor for for hell, ultimately. But again, it's, it's a sign of usefulness of disconnected branches. Um, I've told people before, and when, we've had a number of people that come, have come to our church from other churches for, for whatever reason. And, and one of the first things I do with people when they come from another church is find out why they left their last church. Do you have a, a good reason for leaving? Do you have a biblical reason for leaving? Because the truth is, um, our styles are different, but we are one franchise. Okay, um, Starbucks doesn't care where you get your coffee as long as you go to Starbucks, right? They're not going, hey, you got to go to the Oakland location. They're going, yeah, we don't care where, which location you go to. We're all Starbucks. And I want us to have a mentality and an understanding that if a church preaches Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and a church cr- preaches that, that there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved than other than the name of Jesus, um, if a pr- church is preaching the Bible, then they're okay with me. If their styles and some of their, some of their uh, traditions are a little different, I can live with that. But at the end of the day, we're, I've got a gnat flying around me. <laughs> At the end of the day, we're one franchise. We're one church. We're not in competition. We're in this thing together. So when somebody comes to our church from another church, I will talk to them about what, what, what happened, what's going on. Do you have a biblical reason for leaving? Did you talk to your pastor about it? And if they didn't, my, my goal is to restore them back to their church. Go back to your church. Get plugged back into your church. Fix the problem. If you're upset with somebody, go, go get unupset with somebody, Right? Let's fix this thing. Because in nature, one of the things we see is when you, when you transplant a tree, it can take two to five years for that tree to begin bearing fruit again. So just because a tree is healthy and vibrant, you, you uproot and you transplant that tree to another location, and it's going to take a while for it to regain its health and regain its vigor because it's been shocked by this transplant. And what happens so many times in our churches is we've been... We've been lulled into this idea that church is like any other restaurant or any other uh, business in our community, that, that we go to church and if I'm not happy, if the pastor says something I don't like, if they don't sing the style of song that I want, if we don't do exactly what I think we should do, then I'm just going to take my business elsewhere. But we are not a business. We're a church family. And when we are uprooted from one church and we go to another, although we are believing in the same God, <clears throat> it takes years for you to regain fruitfulness. It takes years for you to regain your health. And so that's why I try to prevent people from coming to our church just because they're upset with their pastor. Well, go, go fix it with your pastor. Go talk to him about what your problem is. Go, go mend the relationships. Go talk about the theology. Whatever it is, go fix it. Because we want you to be fruitful more than we want you in our church. <clears throat> Jesus says, 
In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So we have to ask, well, what is the will of the Father? And if we look at the context of the scripture, we must know that the will of the Father is for us to be fruitful, for us to be producing something in our lives, that we're not just existing at church, but we are producing something instead of just existing. <clears throat> and he says, not everyone who, who identifies me is going to be able to come into the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> I, I've said this before. <clears throat> I really feel like there are a lot of people who have Twitter relationships with God. Uh, and by that, I mean this. On Twitter, you can follow all kinds of people. You can follow um, Troy Palomalu, LeBron James. You can follow famous actors, the President of the United States, whoever you want to follow. And, and you can learn a lot about these individuals by what they say. You can, you can grow in your knowledge about these people. But just because you follow them on Twitter does not mean you have a relationship with these people. If you showed up at their house and you bing bong and LeBron James opens the door, can I help you? And you're like, LeBron, it's me. I've known you for a while. I don't think I do. And you go, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. And you go, along with 87 million other people. I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. You're not getting in LeBron James' house, right? It's not going to happen. And the same thing is true here. And Jesus says there are people that are going to show up to heaven and go, hey, let me in. I, I know who God is. And, and they're going to say, I'm sorry, but God doesn't know who you are because there's no relationship. You're not connected to the heart. You're not grafted in. You just can identify. You, you, you've seen God. You follow him on Twitter. You're a big fan. And it's going to be a rude awakening for some people someday. And I think it's the people that aren't bearing fruit in our lives. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And these people are going to justify and say, God, we did all these incredible things for your glory. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this seems depressing. It seems really heavy. But the truth is, what we're doing today is trying to identify where we're at. We're trying to identify your fruitfulness so that we can say, what do we need to do now? Because no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, our goal is to help you take a step toward Christ. So if, if you don't have any relationship at all, our goal is for you to take a step toward him today. Maybe you've been serving Christ for 50 years and you are a mature Christian. You're bearing fruit. The truth is you could probably bear more fruit. So what do we need to submit to Christ to say, okay, God, I want you to prune some areas of my life to make me more fruitful. I know you're not done with me yet. No matter how long I've been in this church, no matter how long I've been serving God, no matter how old I am, I know you've got something for me still. So what do you, what do you want to prune in my life? What do you want to identify? What do you want to get rid of? What do you want to shave off to help me become healthier? What are some of the attitudes or outlooks maybe I have in my life that you need to, to cut out? That's what this is really all about. This whole message, beginning to end, uh, this whole series from beginning to end is about our heart and what is going on in our heart. It's not just about modifying our behavior. Now, we don't need that. We need people whose hearts have been captured by God who are bearing fruit and doing something to change the world. That's what God wants. Um, <laughs> I was telling some of the team before uh, the service today about the message a little bit, and one of, uh, I think Todd said, so it's not only going to be the word of God, it's also going to be a horticulture lesson. And I said, that's right, it is. Um, in, uh, in California, you find these coastal redwood trees, and coastal redwood trees are the tallest trees in the world. And... Um, 
The tallest coastal redwood is, it was measured at over 379 feet tall. And so just to put that in perspective, it's almost as tall as a 40-story building, okay? I don't think we have a 40-story building in Indiana. Um, so it's, it's big, okay? But there's another kind of tree, and it's called an albino redwood. And they're pretty rare, but what these albino redwoods do is, is they, they lack the ability to produce chlorophyll. And so as a result, they can't function normally. And what they do is they allow their roots to be connected to the roots of a healthy redwood. And so these albino redwoods spend their entire existence as a parasite living off of a healthy redwood. And these albino redwoods, they, they don't grow to their full potential of what a normal redwood would, uh, grows. What they normally do is grow to about 60 feet tall. And you think 60 feet's still pretty big, that's not bad. But when I, I look at this, I just think how many of us in our lives are living off the spirituality of someone else. We're, we're a parasite, if I can put it like that, off our spouse or off our parents. Well, my parents went to church and they took me to church and, and you're living off of their faith. But the truth is that albino redwood never produces anything in its life. It can never produce another tree. It never produces fruit, no seeds, nothing. Its existence is solely to survive, just get by. And as a result, it never does what it was truly intended to do. It never reaches the glorious heights that a normal redwood does. And I think how many of us in our faith are happy to just survive, to just get by? If I could just go to heaven someday, if I can just keep God happy enough with me that I don't go to hell, I'll be just fine. But you are selling yourself short. God's got a dream and a vision and a plan for your life that is bigger than you can imagine. He wants to use you in incredible, miraculous ways. But we have to be connected to the tree. We have to be connected to the vine. And then we have to say, God, I want you to prune me. I want you to shape me. I want you to make me uncomfortable for your glory. And that's a hard place to be. It's a hard place to live. But that's ultimately what God wants to do in our lives. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes in this place. Everybody in the room. No matter where you're at on your faith journey, I believe that God's speaking to you today. If you're here and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never made him Lord of your life, but you're here today and you say, you know what, I wanna know Jesus. I, I don't wanna just escape hell, but man, I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know God, I wanna have a relationship and I wanna start that today. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I don't wanna embarrass you, but I wanna pray with you right where you're at in your seat. And so if you're here today and you say, Mel, I wanna know God, I wanna have a relationship with Jesus today, pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up real high where I can see it no matter where you're at? Thank you, back by the camera. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you, back here on my left. Who else is that's me? Pray for me. I wanna get some things right with God today. I have not been bearing fruit. Thank you, up in the balcony. And I wanna live my life for Christ. Thank you, in the center section, over here on my far right too. Thank you so much. All right, anyone else, real quickly, just a few more seconds, say that's me, pray for me. All right. I want every person that raised their hand to repeat this prayer, every person in this place to repeat this prayer, whether you raised your hand or not. It's a really simple prayer. And what this does is it just connects you with Jesus, but then the relationship begins. So we want to help you take the next step after that. But if you would, everybody in the place, repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today, I give you my life. And I'm asking you to redeem it.
Use it for your glory. Let me bear much fruit so the world will know you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause? Thank you, Jesus, for being so good to us. We love you. Now, if you would, bow your head and close your eyes one more time. If you're here today and you said, Mel, I'm a Christian, but the truth is I'm kind of like that, that albino redwood. I'm not producing any fruit. I'm not producing life, and, and I want to. And I'm tired of just getting by. I want to I live a life that God really wants me to live. And, and I want to take that step. And I'm ready for God to prune me and shape me however he wants. If that's you, would you just put your hand up real high and say, pray for me. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to see God move in my life that way. Thank you. All over the place. Awesome. Well, let me just pray for you. Father, thank you so much that you are the gardener. You are, are, are the one who's going to prune us and shape us and direct our growth. So God, I pray right now that we, Lord, individually and we corporately as a church would not be satisfied with just playing church. We would not be satisfied with just showing up and going through the motions. But God, give us a desire to, to go further with you than ever before. Give us a desire to submit ourselves to you like never before. And I pray that you'd begin to shape us and prune us and, and direct our growth more into your image. God, I pray that you'd help us discover healthy as you're pruning us, as you're shaping us, as you're taking away what needs to be taken away, Lord, as you're removing the diseased and the dead wood and the areas of our lives that need to be gone. Lord, I pray that it's going to be hard, but Lord, it's going to be good. So let us trust you through the printing process. And as we do, God, let us see our lives become fruitful like never before. Lord, let the world around us see you in us like never before. God, I pray that, that our lives would be changed, but Lord, change the lives of the people around us as well. And I pray that that fruit would change lives for you. God, I love you. And I thank you that you've got the bigger plan for us than just to be a good church, than just to be good people. But Lord, you want us to change our world. So God, I pray that we would not be satisfied with anything less than your best for our lives. So God, I pray an incredible blessing right now on those that raise their hand and said, Lord, make me fruitful today. Bless them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.